I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 67. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 67, where Luke writes, Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. Wherever we are, we are your church together. So I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. This is one of those scriptures that you read, then I wrestled with it, thought, no, that's not where I'm feeling led, looked at all kinds of other things, drawn back to the scripture, no, that's not really what I want to preach, and go to something else, and then back to it again. For some reason, the Spirit of God just kept bringing this scripture back. It's a beautiful scripture of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John, who becomes John the Baptist. But our love is to run straight over to Luke chapter 2. We love Luke chapter 2. That's where we hear the story of the birth of Christ. That's where we hear of the manger scene, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. But Luke spends a lot of time, several verses in chapter 1, preparing us for chapter 2. There's something that Luke wants us to hear and something that he felt inspired by God for us to know and to wrestle with that before we can celebrate the candle, the Christ child candle, we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. Luke believed that we could not receive what God was doing on Christmas through the Christ child without really being prepared for it. So he gives us this amazing story of John the Baptist, who doesn't just appear on the scene, but Luke lets us know that God took a lot of effort 
to send John the Baptist to prepare the way of Jesus the Christ. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they are this incredibly devout couple. As a matter of fact, if you look back at Luke chapter 1, verse 6, the Scripture says both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. We're told right up front, this is a, a special couple, a special family. As a matter of fact, we're told that they're born to priestly families, both of them. And Zechariah was a priest of God, serving in worship, serving in the temples of God, leading people to grow in their faith. But then we're told they were never able to have children. Elizabeth was barren, and now they were well up in their years. Now for us, it might spark something of a memory, but to Luke's audience, to those who knew the Scriptures, when you hear here was an older couple without having children, now well up in their years, memories occur. Ah, wonder if God's getting ready to do something new again. I mean, don't you remember back in Genesis 18, we had the story of Abraham and Sarah. And remember how old they were? As a matter of fact, the Scripture said Abraham was as good as dead. That's how old. They didn't have children either. But then God remembered the covenant. And they gave birth to a child named Isaac. Or other memories might spark up. Memories like, but you remember Elkanah and Hannah and how they were unable to have children as well. And, and remember how they prayed to God and it was so important to them. And, and all of a sudden, God's Holy Spirit comes upon them. And they too now conceive and bear a child. His name was Samuel. An amazing prophet and priest for God. And now we have the story of another priest, an older priest, he and his wife unable to have children. Maybe, just maybe, God was going to do something new again. Zechariah is now spending time in the temple. The way it worked back in biblical times is there were priests that were scattered all across the land and in two one-week periods throughout the year, they would be assigned to go to the temple of Jerusalem. So they would leave their home, leave the ministry where they would be serving, go to the temple in Jerusalem, and there they would serve as priests for two weeks out of the year. And if you were really lucky... You got called on for special duties. The temple in Jerusalem, that was such a privilege to serve as a priest, to be there where God was believed to dwell and, and to serve on behalf of God. And then the lot fell on Zechariah that he would be the one chosen to take the incense and go through the temple of Jerusalem sharing the essence and the aroma of God. Oh, you can imagine the sacred event to be serving in the temple of God, and you now have that once-in-a-lifetime privilege as a priest of offering the incense in God's temple. 
You can see him walking through the temple, sharing the incense, filling the place with the aroma of God. And all of a sudden, an angel appears. The angel Gabriel appears before him. And of course, like every other time when an angel just appears, he's terrified. Remember the story of the shepherds in the field? The angels appeared and they were sore afraid. They were terrified. I mean, he is startled. God is speaking to me. There's an angel of God appearing. What is this message going to be? And the angel shares with Zechariah the prayers of you and your wife Elizabeth. They've been answered. Elizabeth is going to conceive and bear a child and he will be a special child. He'll be set apart. You get glimpses of the Nazarite vow. But not only that, this child, if you go back and read the beginning of Luke 1, he is to abstain at all times from alcohol, not just for a certain period. And it wasn't that that was forbidden, but for this kid, for this man to be, he's set apart. He has a calling. He has a purpose. God is going to use him in an amazing way. So his complete focus is to be on God and God's work at all times. You see, the prophets in the Old Testament had shared that the prophet Elijah would return before the Messiah would appear. And now in the temple of God, the angel of God says to Zechariah, and your son, your son will be the one to be the role of Elijah. God is doing something incredible. Zechariah, totally overwhelmed, doesn't know what to make of this. What amazing news. What an event. Is this real? Am I dreaming this? Is this a vision or is God really speaking to me? And so he said... I just, how will I know? If you read Luke 1 verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. In other words, Zechariah is going, I need a sign. I need some kind of a sign that this is true. How will I know? And in the words of Bill Ingvall, the great philosopher the angel says, here's your sign. And all of a sudden, Zechariah is no longer able to speak. Luke 1 verse 20. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day that these things occur. I mean... It's just been announced that your wife will conceive and you will not be able to speak again until these things have occurred. Is that enough of a sign for you? And immediately he can't speak. As a matter of fact, when he tries to carry out his priestly roles, he's unable to speak. So he just gestures to the people and they know he has had an encounter with God. Something sacred has happened. Well, John the Baptist, he's born. 
And on the eighth day, per the covenant with God, they take him to the temple to be circumcised. And Zechariah is now filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to catch that too. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That is so important for Luke. It's so important to remember that all of this is a God thing, that God is filling with the Holy Spirit and moving. We, we heard it with Mary in Luke 1, verse 35. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit as well when Mary comes over and John the Baptist leaps within the womb of Elizabeth. In verse 41, we're told Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Simeon will be filled with the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. You'll see it go throughout Jesus, of course, filled with the Holy Spirit. We see it at His baptism and during the temptations. The Holy Spirit. You'll hear it again when you study the book of Acts, which Luke also wrote. The church, in order to be the church that God calls it to be, had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Luke tells us, Zechariah, the priest of God is now filled with the Holy Spirit and he shares what now is known as the Benedictus. That, that comes from the Latin word for blessed and it's used at the beginning of verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And so that's now known as the Benedictus, the blessed, the blessing of God. You see... Israel had been through so much devastation in their past. It's hard sometimes for us to imagine our country is really so young. And we haven't experienced what Israel experienced with being conquered again and again and again with different groups coming over, taking rule and, and treating the people of God so differently. But God had made a covenant with Abraham. I will be your God. And you will be my people. God had also promised them earlier on in the Old Testament prophecies that I will give you a new king. I will, I will put a descendant of David on the throne and his kingdom will have no end. It was a commitment, a promise. And God had promised that Elijah would come to usher in the days of God's Messiah. Messiah, the Hebrew Old Testament word, Christ, the New Testament Greek word for the anointed of God, Elijah would prepare the way for the anointed of God. And now God is acting. And Zechariah is so filled with the Holy Spirit that now he has the gift and the ability to speak and proclaim what God is doing again. And so he begins in verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably upon his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us and the house of his servant David. Now I want you to pay attention to something in that verse. It's past tense. Even though Luke tells us it's a prophecy of what God is going to do, when Zechariah shares it, it's in past tense. 
God has looked favorably and redeemed them, raised up a mighty Savior for us and the house of the servant David. Why? Because when God makes a promise, it is as good as done. There is no doubt that it will happen. You can know it is done. When God says this will be, it is done. Just like when God created, let there be, it was so. And when God makes this promise, this will be, it is so. And Zechariah says it's, it's a done deal. For God has redeemed, in verse 68, that Greek word, Lutrosis. It, it, it implies a ransom. That we've been held captive. We've been kidnapped by our sin. We have been held ransom by our brokenness. Our relationship with God, our sin and evil and death has been able to hold us down. And God has intervened and redeemed. God has paid the price. God has ransomed us. And He's telling us in past tense before we ever get to the cross. Because God made a promise. And when God says, I will do it, you count it as done. God came to offer us salvation and redemption. That word redemption in the Old Testament reminds us of deliverance, like the children of Israel being redeemed when they were enslaved in Egypt, brought into the promised land. And the gift that Zechariah shares with us, that this child that's coming, this, this blessed gift that's going to be coming before us, this is God redeeming and thus God has redeemed his people you and me we're told that God has offered us a savior in verse 69 some of your translations talk about the horn of salvation horns were symbolic of power you you even see symbolisms of horns and in the book of revelation but that word salvation Soteria, it it means to be rescued, to be saved, to be delivered to safety. God has provided us a Savior who will redeem us. This child that is coming, this Messiah, the Christ, the one that we're about to celebrate on Christmas, He will rescue you. He will deliver you. He will save you. And then we're told these beautiful words, it's by God's mercy. I love that word in verse 72. Elias, the Greek word, it means compassion. I love the compassion of our God. And one of the things that Zechariah is telling us in the Benedictus, this prophecy in him and song of praise but it's a song of theology it is loaded with our theology and we haven't even gotten to the to the angels and the shepherds in the field we have a god who's filled with compassion for you we we do we do not have this god who is so far away so alien from us so distant from us a god who created wound us up let us go off to be but a god who is so 
intertwined in our lives that we have a God who feels, a God with emotions, a God who relates and a God who reacts, a God who has compassion. That's why I love John 3.16, as you've heard me quote so many times before, that God not only loves the world, but God so loved the world. And here we're told this is from the abundant mercy, compassion of God. We often refer to that as grace. It's a love that does something. Grace is simply God's love in action and God chooses to intervene. Zechariah reminds us God remembered his covenant. God doesn't forget you. God doesn't abandon you. You may feel like you're going through difficult and challenging times, but hear the good news. God never forgets who you are. And why does God do all of this? Verse 74, that we being rescued from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. The response to this amazing love and compassion, this intervention of God in our lives, the gift of redemption, the gift of salvation, the gift of a Savior to deliver us, the mercy and compassion of God. How do we respond? We're able to serve and worship Him without fear. Without fear, freely worshiping and praising our God, serving our God, living a life of holiness where God cleanses us. Having, now that we've been forgiven for our sins, now that we've been redeemed, now that we've experienced the Savior, now that we've experienced the compassion and the mercy of God, we can worship and praise our God in holiness and righteousness. Not because of our works, but because of this amazing gift of God, we have been saved by grace through faith. Not of works that we can boast. It's a God thing. Zechariah tells us it's a God thing. And then he looks at his eight-day-old son. Now picture the change. It changes at verse 76. Zechariah looks at his eight-day-old son and he goes, And you, child, you, you have been called by God to prepare the people of God for this Christ child, for the Messiah, for this amazing thing that God is doing you are to help the church experience Advent, to help the Jewish faith experience the gift of Advent. You are to prepare them for the arrival of God's Messiah, bringing about the knowledge of this salvation, to share with them the forgiveness of sins, and all of this that comes through faith in Jesus the Christ. He indeed is the light of the world. You hear this in John chapter 1, verse 29. When John the Baptist sees the Messiah, the Christ coming, 
And the scripture says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he declared, Here, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We want to run straight to Luke chapter 2, but Luke chapter 1, it's worth spending some time with. God filled Luke with the Holy Spirit and wanted us to hear this message that important things take real planning. God didn't just drop Jesus the Christ child on the scene. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. And then God miraculously provides for John the baptizer, John the Baptist, to have the role of Elijah to prepare us, you and me, for Christmas. So, did we hear his message? Are we ready for Christmas? And that's not the answer of the, no, I am not. I have so many presents to buy, and then I've got to run here, and I've got to run there. I haven't even decorated the house, haven't done that. No, that's not, that's not what God's asking us today. Are you ready for the Christ Mass to receive this Redeemer, this Savior, to experience the mercy and grace of God? The Most High God is intervening in our world to bring about the gift of salvation. Now that's the gift of Christmas. It's God's gift to you and to me. That's why I love verses 78 and 79. By the tender mercy of God, the dawn, the light, the break of day from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. No wonder God spent so much time. That's incredible. And we need to be prepared to receive it. Are we ready for Christmas? Amen.